Welcome to the Prepare to Win podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver. Here at Dane Lee, um, we get straight into it as always. Today we're going to talk about uh, basically how dumb everyone is. So even me and Dane, we're just not that smart. You know, kind of the premise behind all that is we see this a lot in fit the fitness industry in general. Let's just, let's just call it the whole industry um, where a lot of people seem to think that they know it all or they think like their way is the only way. Um, and I want to kind of expound on the first one first. Um, I see this all the time and I don't know if it's because of social media. I don't know if it's because there's so much more information out there, but I mean, it's kind of went on for a long time, but I see it, it seems to happen more and more now where you'll see less. I know it seems like everyone's being coached, but a lot of people truly aren't. And you'll see a lot of like lower level hobbyist. I go to the gym. People act like they're a serious athlete and they're on some, some like cutting edge programming or whatever. Um, and they assume like they think they, they know it all. And I know we've talked about this before when we've talked about trying to like help people and you get like rebuttal out of it or, you know, they're, they're trying to quote something or regurgitate something they saw online, mm-hmm. even though they truly don't understand it. Um, but we're starting to see like more and more, especially in the gym, like when, when the trainers are, are coaching people and things, cause we do get like gen pop people in here and we you know, do one-on-one sessions and all that stuff. Um, and I can think specifically of a person, uh, this was a couple months ago comes in and she had never really weight trained before. Um, not a lot, at least like she'd probably done some odd and end things. Um, but I know she had never worked with like barbells or anything. Right. And, uh, I remember she started like, we're like, okay, probably need and this girl had a goal um she was like trying to become a firefighter she was trying to do all these other you know fitnessy things and stuff and so she starts with one-on-ones and we tell we usually like to taper them so we usually like to start like if you're that new and fresh Mm -hmm. let's get you on some one-on-ones then let's taper those one-on-ones back to where you can just do a program maybe you know you do a one-on-one once or twice a month you know from there um and then we should be able to roll into like doing video critique and things like that, hopefully, if you need it. Um, or you can kind of follow a program, right? And understand it. So I remember this person, um, they, they were going to do some sessions with Lindsay. And, and I took the first session, I think, because of a scheduling conflict. So I told her I'd take it and, and cover it for her. And I remember watching this girl move. And it was like, it was a fresh, you know, new person. Like they, weren't moving extremely well and things. There was a lot of corrections to be made, but for the most part, this girl was like doing more machine based stuff just to like start to get into okay. to, um, resistance training and things. Um, some more functional movements to try to find movement patterns, things like that. Right. So she goes through like maybe a couple of weeks, three, four weeks of, of sessions. And I'm talking like, maybe twice a week or something. It's not like she was coming like four times a week or anything. And she's like, yeah, remember she, she tells Lindsay like, Oh, I got the hang of it. Um, I think I got it figured out. Probably don't need to do sessions to stay on a program. And then she does that program 
I think for maybe two months, three months, right? Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, I think I uh, I know what I'm doing now, so I don't really need the program, and I, I should be able to take it from here. <laughs> Whoa. And it's like, so you as a person, and this girl had not even, she had just started getting into working with barbells by that point, right? Um, she had went through like some functional type stuff. She went through, you know, a little bit of resistance training, working into dumbbells and starting to get into barbell training, right? Where she would probably need a little bit more in person anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's amazing when someone that fresh and new thinks that they know enough to like carry on their way. I understand like not everyone's going to be a serious athlete. So like some of the insane, I shouldn't call it insane. Some of the higher level refinement things. Okay. Maybe you don't care to know that. Maybe you care to quarter squat, half squat, who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe you care to do a squat completely wrong. I don't know, you know, or at least half right. But we get into this and I see it more so in people that like maybe are on a program for four or five, six months um, where they think that they, oh, I got it now. No, you fucking don't. You don't have it now. You have it now to maintain what you have right now, possibly, mm-hmm. But you don't know how to progress anything. Right. From there, once you progress, do you know how to switch up those exercises? Do you know how to change things up to reach the next level, the mm-hmm. next goal, the whatever? And inside of even those exercises that you're picking, think of just like in a squat movement, how many variations of a squat there are. Oh god! And we're not even ta- we're not even talking about the bar, like the bars, uh-huh. switching the bars up. I'm talking just like you can high bar squat, you can wide stance squat, you can narrow stance squat, you can pause squat, you can tempo squat, you can, uh, uh, some people might not know this one, the Kang squat, like um, you can do double pause squats. You can, I mean, I, we could keep going yeah, forever. It's like that's with one barbell in a squat. Right, and all one those exercise. have a specific place within programming and a yep. specific purpose, yeah. One barbell, one squat, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get rid of that. That's complex, right? Because that's a compound movement. Okay. Think of a leg extension. Okay. Okay. We can tempo that leg extension. We can hold that leg extension. We can go for time. We can go for reps. We can go for weight. Mm -hmm. You can do um, where you hold and then you start. You can do pauses in in the middle. (laughs) You can do... um, There's a certain um, method. This was in a Joe Weider book a long time ago where um you basically load up for two two sets maybe three if you're a newbie mm-hmm. and you just load max weight as much as you think you can handle and you do like 12 13 14 reps and the point is that you can't do any more that last rep right mm-hmm. um we can do uh fascia stretch training like I, i'm just going through a leg extension right you know we're, and we're not even talking about the whole program you know so um, for, for everyone to think like, and I, and that's the thing on each one of these, we could keep going for a while. Like for someone that is that fresh or someone that has had limited experience in training. And I'm sure there's advanced people in training that didn't even know half of these things I just mentioned existed. You know, you're, you're never with the, the minute you think, you know, it all you've already failed, you know? Um, I see stuff in programming. Like I've, I've, you know, worked with 
two pretty high level coaches within the powerlifting and strength world. And <clears throat> I've seen some exercises that I hadn't seen before, you know, um, some outside the box stuff that I didn't even think about, you know, and I've been doing this for what, 11 years. Mm-hmm. So to think like that six months into your resistance training that, you know, everything, you know, or if you're in CrossFit and you've been doing the Olympic lifts for three years to think that you truly know those Olympic lifts, even though you've never had a coach, a higher level Olympic lifting coach critique you. I mean, we've seen that countless times, pretty much everyone that comes into Dan from another coach or CrossFit, he has to completely refine everything. It's funny because after a few weeks, like they start to get it and they start to see it Mm. and they start to see how they've done thousands of reps completely wrong, you know, and it's the same thing with us when they come in, you know, and we start doing strength training stuff. I'm like, "Eh, you're squatting wrong. You're deadlifting wrong. You're overhead pressing wrong. You're doing this movement wrong. You know what I mean? It's like same with you with gymnastics. You start to, you start to pick it apart. Right. Right. A lot of times it can be very frustrating for them because they come in and they might've had a level of success Mm -hmm. doing it incorrectly. And that success gives them a delusion that this works and it will work to a certain point. Like automatically you have dropped the max potential for what you could do, but you're also really increasing the likelihood of injury Mm -hmm. that comes along with it. So it's very frustrating when you take somebody and say, we're going to go back to the absolute Mm -hmm. basic. And they're like, yeah, but I'm better than this. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you have a higher potential than this. Yeah. But we need to fix these things. We need to refine just step one. Mm-hmm. And like the ego starts to come into play on that one too. And yeah, I wonder how much of that is what makes people think that they know enough or know better. Yeah. And don't need us. Well, and it, sorry, I kind of derailed you a little bit there. No, no, it's, um, I, I think it's, it's partial ego, but I think it's also like, um, the reaffirmation inside of wherever they're at, you know, if we're taking someone from like another gym or maybe coached by that, that reaffirmation that like, Oh, you're doing great. You, that's great. Good job. You know, mm-hmm. instead of actually coaching it and right. critiquing it. And it, it's no different if me and you go, I'm sure like if I went in front of some, uh, some very smart people with whatever lift, you know, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they are going to, refine me, critique me, find, find errors. You know, even me who my squad has recently went up, you know, decently, Mm -hmm. um, in the past year or so. Sure. Like programming variables and all that helped. But the biggest thing that helped was someone fixing and connecting my lower half to the rest of me, basically. Like I, uh, I fixed some things in my hand position, my bracing, my stuff, but you know, but like once they've really wrenched in this um, this ability to connect everything from the floor to my hip to my to to my back to the bar to mm-hmm. you know that's when everything clicked for me and that was you know four and a half five years into powerlifting right where I came from knowing how to squat so a couple of things that I wrote down I wanted to ask you at one point just to give context how long and I know it's difficult because it's really going to depend on the person and where mm. they're starting and what they want to do with it. But to give an idea for people, how long on average would you work with someone before they actually start to get the hang of some of these lifts? 
Um, and that really depends if it's in person, like we can change things a lot quicker. Um, depends. I mean, cause some people grasp it online too, but it's going to be a few months until like, well, let's not even say that it will take maybe three, four or five weeks okay. to really start to make the change and visualize and feel and all that. And the, the neural adaptations are starting to somewhat take place you know what okay. i mean so we're starting to get it maybe not every reps there and stuff but i've got people that it'll be you know fine for months weeks mm-hmm. whatever and then something will revert back to something else and that's you know from uh, a lot of times you'll see us when people go through a peak their technique kind of drops off decays a little bit so you Mm -hmm. have to refine that afterwards that's why i always hate when i'll program um, like reps or something after a meet and i'll watch someone do like a set of eight on whatever movement and it's like that's not the way you would do it if it was a one rep or two rep why are you doing it that way if it's an eight rep you know like they'll just almost move through the motion rather than using that time to really make sure that the technique is refined at that lighter weight um, so that's a big error, you know, you're wasting, especially on that many reps and that, um, much volume. It's like you could waste hundreds of reps over those couple of weeks by doing it wrong, you know? And then when the time comes and you're back to triples or something like that, and you wonder why your technique's off, well, it's because you didn't do your fives right. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't do anything else right. So mind you, there's a time and a place to just go fast. Um, I understand that depending on what your your goal is, your sport is, your whatever is. So there are times just to like kind of rep things out. Um, for example, like, you know, there are times where I might have a lifter do a set of 10, you know, where it's touch and go deadlift. Like they're not stopping, resetting and all that stuff. And that's usually like if I do something like that, it would be after maybe I had them do uh, sets of four, sets of five, with resets with everything correctly as as if it were a one rep and then sure like for a bodybuilding aspect and time under tension i might have them do a set of 10 or a set of eight or something that's touch and go so there there's a time and place but um, for the most part you want your bread and butter stuff those compound movements to be all moved the same way mm-hmm. you know and it's not like they're you know when they're doing their touch and go it's not erratic like you know where the bar is shifting all over the place or their body's not, right. you know, so. There was this book I read years ago called The Talent Code, and there's an example that they talk about with learning in there. So they have this girl who's being recorded. She's playing the piano, and she's trying to learn this new piece, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And the person watching it, the psychologist who's talking to the interviewer, is saying how excited he is about this because you can see her, like, struggling mm-hmm. to do it correctly. And then she moves to a piano piece that she's played who knows how many hundreds of times. And she just goes through it and she's not really paying attention. Mm. And he's like, that's a waste of time. You're not learning anything in that moment because you're just going through what you've already learned up to that point. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying with those reps, how you do those five reps that you know you can do determines what your body is going to use as you move up mm. in new weight. And one of the things I've learned from you and one of the things I've experienced and I've watched is that the technique that you use at an early PR is not the same technique that you have to learn to use at the later PRs, like you said, mm-hmm. with what you felt in your back. That you're learning how to have better technique as the weights go up because mm-hmm. it demands it. Yeah. So 
to say that you would pick up something like, oh, no, no, I'm good. And it's been three months. Like you said, you're only good up to what you're currently doing at that time. Mm -hmm. As you get stronger, as you get better, like take programming out of it. Yeah. And all the things that a coach can help you decide to -hmm. put in there in order to make you stronger. If you get stronger at that, you don't have someone to teach you how to have the new and better technique Mm -hmm. to adapt and accommodate that new strength. Well, even when your, your body starts to change, you know, um, whether you're putting on muscle or, you know, Oh yeah. That's a whole, whole different one. Leverage right start to change, whatever. Like you're going to have to refine that for the new leverage. Like you, you can't just lift the old way. If you've gained 20 pounds, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a little bit different. It's going to feel a little bit different and you have to adapt to that while you're growing. You know, that's why it's so hard for like, you take people that start lifting, like maybe, you know, 13, 14 years old when they're playing like middle school sports or mm-hmm. something and they're going through high school, like that's one of the reasons that high schoolers move a little weird sometimes. And it's hard, harder to refine their technique if they're growing quick. Oh yeah. You know, um, that's one of the things, but like it still happens to people that are, you know, adults, especially if you're someone that might be a little bit overweight and you're losing weight and things like that, mm-hmm. everything's going to change. Those bars are going to move completely different. Your movement power is going to be completely different if you drop 30 pounds, you know? So that's another thing to have to get used to. I mean, how many times um, have you had a nutrition client who also either powerlifter, weightlifter, et cetera, that ends up getting referred over to me because they're like, I don't know what happened. Like mm-hmm. I, I lost weight. I'm moving better. I feel stronger. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like I have a, a groin pull. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let me see your range of motion in your squat. And yeah. suddenly like they drop much easier. Yeah. As they're going through it, not only they're dropping easier and the range is smoother, but their stance is different mm-hmm. and they have more weight on their back. Yeah. It's like all of these things are yeah. factors. And they're not, they're not used to having load through that range. And there's a lot that comes into play there and, and people don't realize that. So it's, it's hard for me to understand like how people get set in a way. And like, I understand some people are just, they never care to achieve anything, uh, anything better. You know, I get it. They have that line in mind. It's like, yeah, you get there, you're good. But that's the thing that that these same people, um, you know, I've gotten friends that do this. They'll they'll complain like, oh, I haven't, I've been like the same way for a few years. I might, you know, haven't really gotten stronger. I haven't, my body isn't looking different because you don't know what you're doing. Like, you know what you're doing to get to that point. Mm -hmm. You know what you're doing to like um, maintain that point in a way, but you don't know how to get better because you don't know how to change. Like, you don't really know what you're doing you know a couple uh years ago i was helping out with the strength conditioning work for a gymnastics team and there was a coach at the gym where i was working who she was not appreciative of my contribution let's put it that way Mm -hmm. that's like the nicest way i can put it she fought with me on the things that i was suggesting she wanted to be in charge of it now she has no background in strength and conditioning work whatsoever uh she didn't go to school for any of this she simply had a little bit of gymnastics experience and then started coaching after high school but she because of time in the occupation thought that she really knew what she was doing Mm -hmm. versus at that point i had already done my bachelor's i was in school for massage therapy and i had worked for i mean three four years doing strength conditioning work specifically with movement Mm mm-hmm that's not to say that I knew a lot, but I certainly knew more and I was helping more than what she was able to do. I saw a lot of yeah. flaws that were going on. So because there was this controversy, the I have a meeting with the boss and she says, can you explain to me 
like why we need to do it this way. And I asked her, are you sure? Like, this is a fairly in-depth conversation. Do you have time for it? And so we set aside time. I remember watching her eyes glaze over mm-hmm. as I went through basic linear programming. Mm-hmm. I said, here's what it would look like. Yeah. This is your competition season. This is the off season. Here's what we would have want to do. We're talking like 12 to 16 year olds. We're not getting complex. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of equipment to get complex. And by the end of it, she was like, oh, I, I had no idea. I was like, we didn't even get into the weeds yet. Mm-hmm. All of this is being taken into account. And if you don't understand it, I sure as shit that coach over there doesn't understand it. Yep. So you don't even know how much you don't know to be saying that you want to do it your own way. And I was livid at that point with what was going on, mostly not because of ego, but because what I know, what you know, if you looked at that situation, is that they were putting the health of those gym is at risk mm-hmm. the way that they were doing things yeah. like in the moment and the future. Yep. And I knew that I could help out with that. Like that's one of the reasons that, you know, I enjoy talking about this, maybe enjoys the wrong word, but very passionate about talking about things like this because you watch people and as a coach, that's why you're in the business. I think, I think what happens too is like a lot of these coaches become complacent because they're, you know, especially if you're someone who, has your own gym or works, you know, within a gym that has plenty of flow and stuff. And what, what happens is the market in general is pretty naive. They know a very minute amount, you know, so there's people that come in and they get a little sweat going, a little workout going, mm-hmm. and they feel good about themselves. And next thing you know, they're telling you that you're the best coach ever, and that that was great, and you know all this stuff. So that's kind of all they ever hear is like how great they are, and they have members coming through, they have clients around. So like, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, got people that I'm training, like doesn't matter, you know. Um, and I, I've seen this countless times, like. You know, there's a trainer I could think of. I've watched him do, you know, sessions here and there and stuff. Um, busy all day, has clients all day. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I and I'll say he he knew things about like the body in a way and stuff. But I would watch some of the movement that they would do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I wanted to like chime in like, no, no, that. Yeah, you know, it's like improvement not, there. It's not right, but you know, and I understand not everyone's gonna move cricket. But it was like all all these people, <laughs> like yeah, uh, okay. But anyway, um, I think because they they get clients because they're making money because they get posted. Oh my god, my coach is the best ever. Or my trainer's the best ever. Or go to this, you know, whatever. So they get that, and then they think like that. They just know everything. Um, and that, I mean, when I started out, it was that way for me. People, oh, it's great. Like, duh, blah, blah, blah. Like, go to him. You know, all that stuff. And it's like, did I know some things? Sure. Like, I went to school for it. I read up a lot. Like, you know, I studied as much as I could, figured out as much as I could. I already had some experience, so I had some, like, trial and error. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But what what I knew back then and what I know now is, like, Holy shit. Yeah. You know, and I could have stuck my, myself in that world forever and probably still kept getting clients and probably still, you know, been fine. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know I kept learning I continue to keep kind of learning and there's things I'm not like you know I'm not an expert on I'm not um one of the things I love is starting to catch back up we talked about this before is um you know I don't use like extremely uh, big words to try to sound like I'm so much smarter than my client yeah. and stuff like that I I actually try to speak in terms that are so simple to understand that anyone's going to get it and it doesn't always translate but I you know and but it's starting to come around that you see more and more coaches uh, I keep seeing coaches post about that like you no one cares like unless you're talking to like a physiologist or a PT mm-hmm. no one gives a shit about hearing your big biomechanical words yeah. you know what I mean and your biology shit that you learn no one gives a fuck because they tr- they truly don't you know you need to know that you know it but you need to be able to relate to your clients that have you know a fucking engineering degree you know or whatever you you're not gonna they're not gonna get it and you don't need to they don't need to get it you know they're not in school right i'm laughing over here because both sides of that uh, have ways that they end up backfiring. I've experienced and watched both mm-hmm. where I, I love talking about the science aspect and the technicalities yeah. of it. Yeah. Like to me, it's just fun because yeah. I'm a fucking nerd. So I end up talking about those yeah. things when I'm working on a client and you can tell they don't care, mm. but I'm like, just indulge me, you know, run yeah. with it is fun for me. Um, and during that conversation, I also try to then make some kind of analogy or metaphor that brings it down to a level that, it's not that they're not intelligent and can't understand it. They just, yeah. they don't need that yeah. level of complexity. The illusion of complexity is so fun to watch people try to do when you actually know it mm-hmm. and watch them just completely fuck it up. Yeah. And I know that there are some people who would look at that and be like, man, they're really smart. They must really know what they're doing. Mm. And they buy into it. Yeah. On the other hand, I've also watched people who I know are really intelligent and are able to take that next step and take all the complexity and say it in a way that people understand. Mm-hmm. And because, like you said, most of the market is fairly naive about these things, thinks that the first person, because of complexity, knows more than the second. Yeah. And that's when they have to shift, not from what they're receiving uh, as far as explanation or communication. Look at the results. Yeah. Just because you can explain it in a complex way, are you actually helping people? Yeah. And that second person who is good enough to go the next step and take all that science and explain it like you're talking to a five-year-old, yeah, they get better results more well, often. Think of this, like think of how many times I've talked about this where on the nutrition side, you have uh, people with advanced degrees, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they're an RD, that I, wa- <laughs> I watch them. I get their clients. I mean, it's not even I watch them. I take, you know, I get their clients eventually. And the dumb shit that they do and how much they charge for that dumb shit. But I'm sure by that degree, I'm sure <laughs> that they're talking to these people, you know, they're probably in advanced terms or, you know, they think, oh, they have this advanced degree. They know what they're doing. They're smart. You know, and then you got people I take on that have been on 1200 calories or less for five months or some of the other people that have told me about whatever coach they were working with or Mm -hmm. that they're leaving that are on uh, a ridiculous amount of low food, like when they don't need to be at this time in their life, you know, or this time period in their training. And that's why like 
I don't try to like when I try to post things, I try to give stats. Like if you, if you follow me, if you've seen this, like I give stats, I give real data and then I give pictures, you know, I don't just post a picture and say, cool, look at this transformation. Ta-da. Woo. I try to explain like what happened, you know, uh, as much as I can without, cause if I sit there and I tell you, like, I might show you a transformation that took six months. If I sit there and explain every single step of the way of like adjustments and what we were thinking and what was going on and all this stuff it's going to be a post that no one gives a shit to read. You know what I mean? It's going to be lengthy. So, um, but for me, like, that's why I try I'm more results driven, data driven. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if you knocked, you know, four pounds off someone. What's the data behind that four pounds? You know, I always say this, like any idiot can make someone lose weight, but what was the process to getting there? You know, um, was it the right way to lose yeah. weight? That's them? why I hate when people are like, look at this person that lost 25 pounds. Okay. What what'd you do? I mean, what are they doing? Like, mm-hmm. did you just take food away? Okay. For some people, that's what works. For some people, that's not what works. And that's kind of a, another story. But like, you know, if you just take someone and, oh, okay, I dropped their food by 900 calories a day and they lost a bunch of weight or, you know, Okay. <laughs> Good job. But if they're an athlete, did they end up losing total strength? Yeah. Did they end up losing? Well, for for example, the yesterday I posted an update of uh, one of my clients, Alicia, and what people don't see is what happened through this process is we took food. We actually raised food up off the start. Then we started tapering it back down a little bit. And I don't think I'd have to check the notes again. I don't think we've ever really touched much lower than what we actually started at. But um, during this time, and I'm making all these graphs with my hands that no one can see. <laughs> but like during You're this, fantastic graphs. Yeah, during this time, so we raised food up, right? Mm-hmm. And she lost weight from the start. Raised food up, she started dropping weight, right? We put brought food down, started dropping weight a little bit. She had a meet coming up, so we didn't really want to go too crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, I think it was like a bench only meet or something. It wasn't like crazy important, but it was still important to her. So we didn't want to go too nuts. I told her post meet, we're going to kick it up a little bit. So she does her meet and we're starting to adjust some things. And I wait a second because um, there's some outside factors that needed to kind of go away before we could really push some things. Um, and it was funny because she kind of like plateaued there for a second. I think she even went back up like a pound or two or whatever. And that happened for, you know, a couple weeks. Uh, and then what happened was, is I start slowly creeping the food back up. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets interesting. So I'm creeping the food back up, creeping the food back up, knowing that her coach is getting ready to raise up the, the intensity, the, uh, volume, the, all that, right. Creeping the food up, jump the food. He jumps volume. She drops six pounds. While eating more, eating more. See, this is something that's I want where to talk that's about where eventually. you need to have a knowledgeable nutrition coach that understands the programming side of it, also, mm-hmm. because I know when in cycles to boost things or drop things, or you know that's how it runs. Now it doesn't work. It, it, there's a lot of factors in it, right. a lot of factors. So it's not just that simple as like here's your training, here's your nutrition, there you go. Here's, yeah, there's hormones, rule. there's all these outside things, stress, sleep, you know, yep. there's so much that is involved in it. You know, d- daily activity, like some people switch jobs or some people go from like 
their downtime at work to all of a sudden, hey, we're busy as hell and I'm on my feet eight hours a day. Yeah. Like there's so much that goes into this shit. Right. You know, so it's not just that simple, but I want to people to understand the answer isn't always taking food. I have done this countless times where I've jacked people's food up, their training volume is whatever it is at the time, and they drop weight and they drop body fat. So you, you drop weight and body fat while elevating calories. And everyone thinks that's ass backwards, like that can't be possible or whatever. It's because there's changes that happen within the body that allow for that to happen. And we'll save that for a fucking nutrition post or nutrition podcast. But it's not always that simple of just taking food away and all of a sudden you're going to drop body fat. You know, and, I, and it, it, I've done this with people that had a lot more body fat than others. Like, you know, I've done this with people with multiple kids, different ages. Like, it's not always that simple. Anyway, but going back to our original mm-hmm. topic today. The minute that I fucking think I know it all, there's going to be a body that comes along. That, that challenges you. That challenges. And it does happen. Oh, yeah. I have people that like over time, I, I can think of like a couple people, like their body was challenging. I'm like, motherfucker, this usually works. Why isn't it working? <laughs> and then you have to figure it out. You have to critically think to figure it out. Yeah. And that's what happens is a lot of coaches, again, become complacent and they're just like, well, this person's paying me. Well, we'll just, I'll just adjust nutrition. Okay. Like I, you know, and they can't figure it out. They don't. You know, then they don't care to figure it out. Then they give up. Oh, I'm, I hate to lose. I hate to fucking lose. So like, I'm going to figure it out. It might take me a little bit. It might take, you know, we got to work together and need communication. We need yeah. all that, but I'm going to figure it the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And if I, and sometimes I have to go back and start diving into things, you know, and trying to find, and then maybe I make suggestions of, hey, go get this blood work done. I need to see what this level's at or mm-hmm. this or that or whatever, you know. Um, let's get the hormones checked. Let's, hey, go to your doctor. Make sure your thyroid's running right. Like, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And sure as shit, dude, this is no, no fucking bullshit. There was someone about a year ago that things weren't right. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. I'm like, when's the last time you had a hormone panel? They are like, eh, it's been a while. I'm like, go get one done. And make sure they check your thyroid. Sure as shit went to the doctor had a thyroid issue. Really? You know? And it's like that person would have never fucking known until it was, who knows, blown up out of proportion. Mm -hmm. You know? And sometimes like if you're working with the right coaches, they can see that shit coming. Mm -hmm. You know? Or like if someone comes to you and you're like, I ain't fucking moving right. Maybe you need to go get an MRI. Yeah. You know? It's the same thing. You know? So. Anyway, at some point, like you already just went into it. I wanted to make a comparison to nutrition because I know one of the things that you and I have talked about, we've also talked about on the podcast is the idea that people will come and they'll work with you for a period of time so that they can get a hang of just how to eat. Mm -hmm. Like you teach them the basics for nutrition. They can kind of go off on their own and they keep following that and they come back to you a little while later like, hey, I have this new goal. But it's the idea of the goal that you say, here's what you need to do. And at a certain point, they've learned how to follow that to get to that goal. I mean, I guarantee it. There's going to be people who listen to the explanation of you talking about the previous athlete and they're going to say, well, I don't have that ambition. I don't have that as a goal. So I don't need to know as much. You're right. You don't need to know as much. That doesn't mean you don't need to know. Yeah. You have to have some, you have to have some buy-in. So you can't sit there and say like, you don't like the way you look and you want to build muscle, but then you don't want to lift correctly or eat correctly. You know, it's like saying, I want to be rich, but I also want to go 
to the mall every weekend mm-hmm. and I want to go drive a Maserati and there's all my money gone. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't work. You know, you have to, you have to have some buy-in and you have to have some want to gain that knowledge to mm-hmm. get better or else you, you can't, you don't actually want it. You know, that's, it's that simple. You want so, the idea of it. Yeah. Not the yeah. end result. Like, you know, my buddy that was saying, I think I talked about this before, he wanted to maybe hire a trainer, change up his workout mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, first, you you might want to stop going out to eat and having drinks three nights a week. That might be That'd a probably f- help you. That might be a first step. <laughs> you know, it's like people don't realize that. Like, first change what you can change. That low hanging fruit, yeah. And then if it's still not working, okay, like, you know, but if you go to a, the, you know, if he goes to the right trainer, coach, whatever, they're going to tell him the same shit. Well, why don't you stop fucking mm-hmm. drinking and going out to eat all the time like that? Here's the thought I had as you were talking earlier, and it just made way more sense in my mind. I've always used references to carpentry, mm-hmm. like to my grandfather's a carpenter. So I just have that as a background and I think about it. But strength training and the different aspects of strength training, whether we're talking about movement or nutrition work, mm-hmm. et cetera, it is very much a craft. Mm-hmm. The town where I grew up, there is a family who take care of basically any carpentry project that people want, they go to them. Mm. They didn't go to school for it. They grew yeah. up doing it. Yeah. They are booked constantly because of the results of what they're able to do, the quality of those mm. results. But people will come to a strength coach and say, well, you don't have a bachelor's or you don't have a master's mm-hmm. or you don't seem to be quote unquote smart enough because of the level of complexity that you yeah. talk at without looking at the results and understanding that you could have somebody who has been working in the field for 10, 15, 20, 25 years yeah. and look at the results that they're able to provide. Yeah. That should speak for itself. Now, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that just because you're in it for years that that alone speaks for itself. Yeah. But people will go out of their way to hire a carpenter based simply on results and say, look at how good people talk about them Mm. Look at how good the result was. I want that. Yeah. But then step into a gym and say, mm, I don't know if I want to spend the money on this. Yeah. Because despite the results, they don't seem like they're good enough. They don't seem like mm. they're educated enough. Does yeah. that make sense though? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, uh, how do I say this? Like, it's, so people, they come in. And let's say they want, I, I, I relate this to parents and like little athletes, like okay. high school athletes, cause it's happened so many times where we'll talk about like results and strength and stuff. And they'll say, well, they're, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want them to be a power lifter. Jesus Christ. Like no shit. You don't <laughs> want them to be a power. We understand that. Like, well, now that you've clarified that, we'll, we'll just take that off the table. But between if you watch how strength training works between me and, and Dan doing the, you know, Dan doing the Olympic lifting, me doing more of the strength based training, like just those two things. If you go to a strength program, they're going to do those two things. Mm -hmm. Right. So why wouldn't you want them to learn from two higher level coaches in that area to bring all that up? And then, you know, like the conditioning recovery aspect, we have all that down. Mm Mm-hmm. So guess what? There's like your sports performance, but they're like without being sports. Yeah. Or it's like when parents come in with like their daughter, they're like, well, I don't want her getting too big. 
holy fuck <laughs> like your your kid's not gonna put on 20 pounds of muscle in the next three months like i'm sorry you know what i mean it's biologically impossible <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. considering very specific outside factors yeah yeah so um i think i think dan had a dan had a weightlifter recent weightlifter young weightlifter female and that's what the mom said is like i, I don't want her looking like a man like manly like have you seen most female Olympic lifters? Like, I mean, I can't think of too many or really any off the top of my head that like look like a uh, a man per se. Do you mm. know what I mean? They're muscular. except the transgender one. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's is what it is. You know, they're um, muscular. They're strong. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but it's not a masculine look. It's just it's a strong female athlete. Yeah, yeah. like. And even then, I think what happens is people see bodybuilding magazine, whatever, okay. per, you know, female bodybuilding and female weightlifting, sport of weightlifting mm -hmm. are two fucking different things, completely different. Just because they both you use know? weights. Yeah. But yeah. that's why, because they both lift weights, mm -hmm. you'll see, and this is again, back to the naive population they don't understand the difference. So they think like, well, if she picks up that barbell, she's going to look like this female bodybuilder. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I could go down the, the line of why that's not going to happen. Right. Anyway, um, I know we had, uh, we had a question that I wanted to tie into this. What was, it's about uh, transitioning or when do you know that you're a higher level athlete or something? So how do you know within an athlete's training when they've transitioned from the intermediate to advanced slash elite level? Yeah. For me, this is kind of like besides the numbers, the number aspect, right. because someone, someone could be hitting the, you know, the elite totals and the international elite totals and stuff. Um, but they might have untapped potential. They might not be to their potential yet, you know, fully. So um, their intermediate stage might be when they're already at an elite level, bottom end elite level. Like technically based on total. Yeah. 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 But for me, it's like when they start to, one, the things outside the gym have to change to make them better. The nutrition's got to be dialed in more. Recovery has to be dialed in more. Um, they're seeing bigger sways in their training between like, you know, a, a good day, bad day, um, a day where they're exhausted, not um, when the not necessarily a plateau, but the, the gain starts to slow a little bit, things like that. Um, and then you have to also recognize the weights they're lifting for their weight class. Yes, you have to recognize that. But um, I think it's just like that whole transitional mindset and that's honestly the best part to see when they're switching from that i just come in i get through my program and it's all fun and games to it's starting to get hard mm -hmm. and i have to really push and i have to really work and holy shit i tweaked something got to get that fixed got to repair you know what i mean yeah. and they start to give a shit more and um before you before you go on this go one ahead. i gotta say that that same young weightlifter i was just talking about mm -hmm. um whacked herself in the nose with the barbell <laughs> um 
and you know it's bleeding out and yeah dan's handling it and everyone's hand i walked up i'm like I'm like she hit her head herself in the face of the barbell they're like yep i told her i'm like welcome to weightlifting mm-hmm. i'm like that's like your buy-in because everyone's done it i told her how like i whacked my chin and like bit my cheek and tongue before uh-huh. uh people have like scalped their forehead and like or you know it's happened to everyone yep. it's like the coolest fucking thing now this is a younger younger girl coolest fucking thing is like after that stop she went right back to training she had an there ice pack on her nose between sets or whatever mm-hmm. and was right back to training Good right there you know not even just her potential right there tells me that girl's gonna go far as long as she just stays with it mm-hmm. so as long as she don't change her mind like about what sports she wants to do or something she's that's potential yeah thinking about it prior to the podcast and as we're going through is like it keeps coming back to psychological like you said like if you hit the numbers all right technically yeah at your weight class you have a total that classifies you as advanced or elite Mm -hmm. and a lot of the athletes whether they have potential or not know about recovery the Mm -hmm. aspect of nutrition and sleep and they make better choices because they're kind of in that world now well they want to do better even if they don't have like a high goal they want to do better so they you know, prioritize that a little bit. No. It's what you just say. It's the buy-in that you watch happen mm-hmm. where they say, all right, I might not know everything about recovery, but I'm going to go try to. Yeah. Or something just happened. What do I need to do? I might not have yeah. the answer for it, but what do I need to do? I'm going to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Making the life choices that say, like we've talked about, where you have, quote unquote, less of a social life mm-hmm. so that you can prioritize sleep. You can take care of food. You can take Mm -hmm. care of getting things ready so you can go to training. And when they come into training, that focus that we've talked about in the past, but it's, they train with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they have knowledge of the future goal, Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's vague on what it could be and it changes as you go forward, but they come in knowing that there is a purpose. They have that intention from the, basically from the moment they wake up. Like I'm going to be waking up at this time. So I have time to do these things. Yep. So when I the, get to train no, your meal spacing, right. Yep. All that. And like, it's a they, constant they learning process. Ske- they, they schedule around their training, right? Like everything's scheduled around that. And, um, everything, whether you like it or not, you, you know, I've been there. Like if I had something to do an appointment far away, a family member needs help with this or whatever. Like it's, it's kind of selfish, but like there's times like, I would think, okay, how's this, why I'm doing it or why I'm away? How's that going to affect my training? What do I need to counteract that? You know, um, if we had like a family event, um, you know, let's say like squats on Sunday, but then we have a family event at night Mm -hmm. and I might be out a little bit late, you know, I need to know like, okay, I need to eat this after I'm done to go over there. Like what, what are we eating over there? I mean, literally like I would text or call or like have Lindsay text and call whoever mm-hmm. I'm like, or find out like, are we eating? What are we eating? You know, stuff like that. And it sounds like probably sounds crazy to people, you know, but like, that's how it has to be when you get to a certain point. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to an appointment in Cleveland an hour away, you know, it's like, I need to make sure that what am I going to do for food? Am I going to yeah. get something up there? You know, if that's going to the VA, they have that cafeteria and th- there's actually like some good choices in there. Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to eat there or am I taking a meal? Uh, make sure I have water packed. You know what I mean? Snacks on the road, whatever right. the hell I need, you know? Um, but then your lifestyle around that, like I remember this last prep, like P 
people inviting us to different things or wanting to go different things, I said, I can't for a couple more weeks. Mm-hmm. Just is what it is, you know. From the outside, so, I've seen this has been said to me, and I've watched it happen with other people, where the concept is, oh, you're addicted to the workout, you're addicted to the training. Mm-hmm. It's not that moment of training. It's mm-hmm. what that training turns into. Yeah, it's what it turns into. It's the result. It's not just, oh, I have to be ready so I can go work out just today. Yeah. No, you have to be ready for today because today yeah. adds on to tomorrow and that adds on to next week and through yeah. the rest of the program cycle until you're and, on the platform or on the track ready to go. That's what separates. That part right there is what separates people because we watch people, seen it a million times, they're in this for like a year or two. And then they have, you know, other life priorities, they say, or you know, this needs to take a back seat that, and sometimes that does happen. You're just, you, you entered this at the wrong time in your life. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something, since I've been a competitive fitness athlete, let's call it that. Right. Um, since that time I have fully like everything that's in my life pretty much now. Now, mind you, it was a little bit of a build before that, but like pretty much everything in my life now has happened during me being a competitive athlete. Mm -hmm. So I can remember like you know, I was in college when I started competing in CrossFit. So I was in college. My daughter was born. I got the job at the gym. I became fitness director, mm-hmm. all that shit while she was a baby, right? And to open the gym, she two years old, open the gym, mm-hmm. right? Gym expansion. Getting in meanwhile, the entire time, you know, entering into powerlifting um at that point you know, years ago, like I've gotten better. Mm -hmm. Every single thing has gotten better, you know? And it's like from business life, you know, financials, Mm -hmm. um, everything you could possibly think of. That's all been there. It doesn't just go away just because I'm choosing to compete. Right. You know, now like where I'm at now, you know, it's like, Yes, I'm taking that back seat. Uh, you know, the 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 competitive side is taking the back seat because of life shit coming up. Mm-hmm. Because that life shit is it is <laughs> like literally life changing shit. Yeah. You know, it's it is a lot. I'll say that. Um, but also, like, I did three meets this past year. It's time for my body to take a rest. Yeah, it's a lot. It's time for um, you know health factors that I have like need to improve. Mm-hmm. So, like for me right now. Yes, going and um, I get my workouts in. If I have to miss a day, oh, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if I have to, uh, like I can go, I mean, we've done this like times we normally wouldn't. Like, so, you know, hey, we're doing this time. All right, we're there. We become like yes people in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're both not competing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always going to be time for that at some point in your life. But yes, like you need balance, but you're going to have to sacrifice something. You can't, no matter what you do, if like you have priorities in the gym, it's going to take away from priorities outside of it. If you focus on the priorities outside of it, it's going to take away from the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, this thing of like, uh, uh, people thinking like, okay, you own a gym. It's easy to work out. Like I've said this before. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's still a business. There's still things to be done. So as you know, gym, this is why you look at not as much anymore because Instagram has helped people monetize. But if you look at like the old school way, like a lot of bodybuilders and still 
it is kind of true. A lot of like really good bodybuilders were broke. Oh yeah. I remember like I remember rolling into powerhouse when I was younger, like, you know, 18, 19 years old and seeing like the big sponsored, these were sponsored bodybuilders, you know, mm-hmm. by big supplement companies and stuff, just huge motherfuckers. And you'd see them outside driving a shit box car, you know, mm-hmm. and they live in like whatever. Cause that was their life, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's some of them that don't like, even in powerlifting, there's some that like do this job that probably isn't the job they want to get to because they're being a competitive athlete right now. They're making that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's, I mean, every sport, CrossFit, weightlifting, all that, they have to sacrifice something in that aspect. I mean, Dan's talked about yeah. it. I don't remember the athlete's name, but he uses it as an example all the time where they packed up everything they owned in their car. They drove across the country because that's where the gym was, where the coach that they needed, and that was the training environment. And they basically yeah. lived out of their car yeah. during the time that they wanted to train because they were so dedicated to being an athlete yeah. and the success of their athleticism that that's what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people hear that, and it comes back to what we talked about before, where they think it has to be that extreme in order for you to be quote unquote dedicated. Mm-hmm. And no, it's like, think about the examples that you just gave. You just talked about having a kid, opening a business, expanding the business, continuing to compete, having job changes, mm-hmm. like occupational changes, relationship changes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was that extreme because you had so many things on your plate. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to put all that shit on your plate if you don't right. have it just to convince yourself that you're dedicated. But I think people need to hear that that mindset applies to everything in your life yep it has to have an influence on how you view everything in well, your that's life what, that's what kills me when these people that are like <laughs> they're in like their early 20s you know no kids no real priorities like they get a they just leave college and get a real job and all of a sudden they don't have time to train anymore or they're like mm-hmm. you know they have other priorities and they can't be competitive, whatever. It's like, and you're still on a low level. Like you're, you're on a low level of fitness. You, you so you can get away with the outside factors anyway, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. You don't have any, you go to your nine to five. Like what are you doing? You're not doing anything outside of that. But those same people, you know what you see, the vacations, the, they go out to the bar every weekend. They're sitting on their ass fucking Look at the Netflix I'm binging. Mm. And let me tell you something. Me and Lindsay, we fucking, we watch plenty of Netflix. Like there's plenty <laughs> of shows we fucking watch, you know? So it's like, we know from whatever time we're up mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, usually about 8 p.m. is when we try to shut it down. Maybe 8.30. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll watch something, go to bed, like whatever. But I, I don't, I just don't understand. Like we're not sitting there like, Coming home from her nine to five, have dinner, and it's six o'clock, you know, six thirty, and plop in front of the TV the rest of the night, not doing anything, not bettering ourselves, nothing like that. Right. You know, so there's there's always time for a lot of these people, but they just want to make that excuse that not. I, I think not that's priority. I think that's the difference. If we have to sum up this whole thing, it's just the the priority aspect of it becomes bigger. All right, that's pretty much it. I don't think we have any big announcements. Oh, the Kentucky Open did sell out, so that one's done. The only meet we have left available for the year is the uh, Throwdown, which is in Winchester, uh, Kentucky, in October, October 16th. So if you want to sign up for a monolift meet or an RPS meet or anything like that, then get on that. We're going to post. I keep forgetting to repost. I'm 
I gotta get that up. But we'll get the the woman's whatever it's called seminar. Uh, well, I think it's a, like a shop uh, clinic thing, whatever it is. Um, that whole thing at the gym, women's empowerment. Everybody come together. Just everyone fucking come. All right, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna throw that up on uh, social media so everyone. Is that one July? It's yeah, it's in July twenty fourth or something. Yeah, okay. I need to uh, repost to the gym. But uh, Maria Fatali, if you look her up on Instagram, um, her Instagram has all the information on it. Um, I'll get the dates in the show notes for people. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that. Uh, we'll get that out there. But um, that'll be a good event. Uh, supposed to be some different vendors coming and things like that. Um, and it's a good time for a lot of the women in the area, um, and not just in this immediate area. I think there's people coming from like Cleveland and Columbus and stuff. That'll be good for everyone to kind of get together, share ideas, share the same mindset, things like that. And it's always good. Like if you, you know, if you have a business, um, or you're looking to get into some sort of business or looking to get into fitness, or you're just looking to connect with people, these type of events, that's where you connect with people. It's not always through social media. You have to actually go talk to people in person. So um, as much as, you know, I'm the type of person where I'm like closed off sometimes to the world, these things are important to, to go to and connect with people. So uh, you got anything? That's it. That's it. All right. We're out of here. Have a good one.